Hello, and welcome to Greater Faith. You're listening to The Spirit of Excellence, a message from Pastor Azzalini. We hope that today's message blesses and encourages you as you go through your day. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred. Everybody say preferred. He was preferred above the presidents and princes because mm, preference had an effect. It was caused, rather, by this. Because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. An excellent spirit was in him. Praise God. Brother Jerry, would you lift your voice and just pray for us tonight? Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Daniel was preferred. You know, when you think of terms like presidents and princes, you think of royalty or positions of power and authority. And these are positions that often come with preferential treatment, right? They are afforded certain privileges or luxuries that accompany the position, but the position also comes with responsibilities and weights and things that they uh, that are tied to them. I want to look at that word, excellent, and excellent in the Hebrew means surpassing, extreme, extraordinary exceedingly or extremely. Mm. How many of you growing up, your mom always told you, your dad always told you, go the extra? Man, all of you. You guys all. It's amazing. Isn't that funny how some sayings just never die, right? Go the extra mile. What was mom saying? She was saying, don't just do a good job, do a great job. Be excellent in whatever you do. And this was the mentality that Daniel had. The Bible says he had an excellent spirit. Everything he did, he did well. Everything he did, he did not do haphazardly or loosely, but he did with intention, with skillfulness, and with vision. I want to look at the context of the time in which Daniel was living. Daniel was part of a system that was hostile towards the people of God and the things of God. He was in this system of government and in this uh, worldly system. It was a Babylonian system, actually. And when you think about that and you think about just a little bit we've already covered 
you can draw this parallel. Our situation is not unique. As much as we would like to think that it is, our situation is not new. We are living in a world, in a system that is hostile. It is not just cold towards, it is not drifting from, but it is now hostile toward the people of God and the things of God. Daniel was living in a structure and an environment that was pagan, right? We don't use that word pagan anymore, but one term that we do use in Christendom is we say that's worldly or that's secular. That's the same thing. It's pagan. It's of this world. It's a false god. It's a false idol. This was the environment that Daniel lived in. It's the environment that you and I live in today. Our world, our society, the systems in which we operate are full of idolatry, paganism, secular thinking, and worldliness. Amen. Amen. He was living in Babylonian captivity. He was living in a system of, right, this will be super shocking, political corruption. My God. My God. Evil was in authority. Corruption held the reins. And here's Daniel. Right in the middle of all of it. Elevated, promoted, had authority, had distinction. Mm. And he wasn't just in the middle of it. He was elevated to the very top of it. He was preferred above presidents. Right? You can't go any higher than that. Or can you? He was preferred above presidents and princes. Mm. But even in these challenging circumstances, Daniel was able to excel. How was Daniel able to be preferred in such a hostile environment? When you read about Daniel, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever read the book of Daniel or heard? The, no doubt you've heard some stories about Daniel, but if you read through the book of Daniel, you'll get past just the lion and the lion's den, right? You're going to get past just this promotion in the kingdom. But what you're going to find out about Daniel was Daniel was a man of discipline. Brandon, when I was growing up, do you know what I got in trouble for more than anything? My mouth. My mouth got me in trouble all the time. My mouth wrote checks that I could not cash all the time. It got me in more trouble than anything. It was, as the Bible says, an unruly member. But what did that signify about my character as a young man? Mm. I did not have self-control. Mm. And self-control is cultivated through self-discipline. Mm. Hallelujah. 
I can't control my mouth if I can't control myself. If I can't make myself do what myself needs to do, then I have no hope of controlling my mouth. Daniel was a man of discipline. He was a man that understood that to be holy is to be set apart. Mm. Oh, praise God. Daniel was not slothful. He was not ignorant. Mm. And here's a, here's a big one. Everybody pull your toes in. He was not self-indulgent. Mm. But rather, he was a man that steadily and consistently prepared himself and positioned himself for whatever the Lord wanted to do with his life. He calculated his words. He calculated how he used his time. Mm. This is something I've had to learn how to do now that I'm over the hill. I've had to learn how to, well, they say 40s over the hill, right? All right. I've had, <laughs> I've never been booed during a sermon before. It's a first for me. I'm going to calculate my words. I've had to learn how to mm, budget my energy, right? Because I can't waste my energy anymore. I can't waste my words anymore, right? My wife will attest to this when she asks. My wife, she's got night energy. I don't understand those people. I got morning energy. And she wants to talk about important things at night. I'm like, babe, I've already wasted all of my good mental energy. I'm like, I'm going to give you bad answers if we talk about this right now. I'm going to mess somebody's life up. I'm like, can we talk about this in the morning? I had to, why? Mm. Because I know that my response is important. And I don't want to be flippant ah, or haphazard about the decision or the conversation or the advice that I'm giving or making. Mm. Why? Because I care about the outcome. The outcome has to stay at the forefront of our mind. And it needs to impact the way we are making our decisions and living for God. This is how Daniel was. Daniel We've already talked about it, this hostile environment. He's in a situation where most of us would be like, well, there's no hope. You know, what, how, how many of you gave up during the last presidential election? Oh, got quiet. I don't know where you're living, but I'll go there if you want me to. Okay, I'm not afraid of that stuff. Let me tell you something right now. You better vote your morals, and your morals better be in line with the Word of God. And Daniel was not swayed or pushed around by a corrupt political system or a Babylonian government that stood in opposition to the truths of God's Word. God's Word better be on my mind and in my heart when I'm standing in the ballot box. Thank you very much. I'll move on. That's not what I was going to preach about, but y'all were so silent, you're going to get a dose. Mm. 
We amen conservative principles in this church. All right. So, Daniel, uh, let's look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Say, he purposed. Right? He had it at the forefront. He had the outcome at the forefront of his mind. He understood that God can move in any situation and in any environment. So he didn't just throw up his hands and quit just because it seemed like the odds were stacked against him. He said, no, I'm going to take care of everything that I do, be purposeful in everything that I do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability in preparation for the moment that God steps in. Mm, hallelujah. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That's what I want you to pull from this. Daniel did not indulge in the appetite of the flesh even though it was available to him. We are living in Babylon right now. There is no appetite of your flesh that you don't have access to. It doesn't matter if it's against the law or not against the law. If you want it, you can get it in the society in which we live right now. And the king's cupboards were opened up to Daniel. And he was allowed to partake to his heart's content. But Daniel said, I am not going to indulge in the pleasures of my flesh. Mm. He purposed in his heart. Oh, my God, have mercy. Mm. Praise God. He didn't allow the desire of his flesh to dictate what he consumed. Ah, why'd you do that? Well, because I wanted to. Mm. That's a flesh appetite in the driver's seat, right? I can't just do it because I want to do it. That's eating at the king's table. That's partaking in Babylon, and it leans towards or trends towards the opposite of excellence, as a matter of fact, it cultivates slothfulness. It cultivates mediocrity. Ah, you should practice telling your flesh no. Mm, ah, why, well, why should I do that? Well, for one, the Bible says your flesh is enmity against God. And if you just do whatever your flesh, well, I feel like sleeping in and not going to church. Oh, I told you to pull your teeth in. What, what just happened? Your flesh mm, just robbed you of excellence and navigated you right into mediocrity. Mm, hallelujah. All right, well, I'm going to amen myself then. Daniel was a man of fasting. Woo. He knew how to say no to his flesh and he knew how to crucify his flesh. You know, I'm not afraid 
of false doctrine. I'm not afraid of devil worshipers. I'm not afraid of pagan religions. Those things don't concern me. You know what concerns me? You know what vexes my spirit? Is carnal Christianity. Because carnal Christianity blurs the line between what pleases God and what does not please God. If your flesh wants it, God doesn't like it. Mm. Mm. I don't know who said truth, but you are absolutely right. That is truth. That's what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So he set himself apart. That's what we were just talking about. And now what do we learn? Daniel was a man of prayer. Hallelujah. He prayed three times a day. Hallelujah. How many of you want a relationship with God? How many of you want to do something in the kingdom of God? The size of your altar should reflect the level of your hunger. I hear people say all the time, oh, I want a relationship with God. I want to live for God. But there's no altar in their life. There's no prayer time. There's no covenant time. There's no relationship time with God. I'm not going to have a relationship with God. I'm not going to have authority over my flesh. I'm not going to do anything great in the kingdom of God mm, if I don't have a prayer life. size of your altar should reflect your level of hunger. Your altar. Oh, but we live in an evil world. Your altar should be big enough to handle your environment. This world, and I'll use Bible terminology, waxing worse and worse is no excuse for an ineffective, dull, bland child of God. I ought to be on the cutting edge of what is happening in the world right now as an apostolic, I'll call myself a young man, hallelujah, hallelujah, prophesy that. As an apostolic believer, I should be able to affect change. Now watch this. A couple years ago, what happened in the Supreme Court? They overturned Roe v. Wade. You ready for this? One of the primary authors of that bill is a 21-year-old apostolic attorney in Texas. I know him, a friend of mine. Works in the AG's office in Texas. And every day, he's affecting change. He's got an excellent spirit at age 21. 
Don't tell me that we don't have what it takes sitting in this room right now to turn our city upside down. What we need is a revelation of excellence at Greater Faith Apostolic Church. Let me tell you something. The culture's not going to push this church around. Society's not going to dictate what is right and what is wrong. But this church is going to adopt a spirit of excellence. Uh, and we are going to affect change in the world around us. Uh, we're going to be on the cutting edge of what is happening in our city, in our local government, uh, in the atmosphere of our home. How does it happen? It happens when I don't get up and say, well, what am I going to do today? No, it wake, happens when I wake up with purpose. And I say, I know exactly what I'm going to do today because I spent some time with Jesus before I went to bed last night and I got a game plan for today. So I woke up with purpose. I woke up with a destination of excellence. I woke up knowing what I was going to pray about. I woke up knowing how I was going to keep my flesh on the altar. I woke up knowing what I was going to think about and what my narrative was going to be today. Why? Because I'm reaching for excellence. I want preferential treatment in the kingdom of God. I want God to look down and say, there's a church that has an excellent spirit and now I can elevate them. Now I can promote them. Now I can grant them influence in their environment. A pagan king promoted Daniel because he had an excellent spirit. They did not agree in their theology. They were not in alignment in their morality. But excellence made him stand out. And the king saw everything he does, he does right. Everything he touches, he does it well. He does it with his whole heart. He does it with his best skill. Let me tell you something, friends. We're not going to be sloppy, secondhand, worn out, tired apostolics. But we're going to be skillful. We're going to be first in everything that we do. We are going to strive for excellence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daniel built an altar. Oh, excuse me, my uh, point I, I missed here. Your altar should be strong enough to handle people. Ah. You can't handle difficult people. That's not their problem. That's your problem. Mm. How many of you were here and heard my terrible roundabout story? Guess what? That wasn't her problem. That was my problem. I had an altar problem that day. Mm. Right? Mm. They're like, yeah, that's right. You were wrong, pastor. <laughs> I was wrong. I had an altar problem that day. Huh. My altar's got to be strong enough, big enough to handle difficult situations and difficult people. But you know what? I thank God for difficult people. And I thank God for difficult situations because every one of them is an opportunity for growth and excellence to be cultivated in mine and your life. Hallelujah. Mm. 
Daniel built an altar big enough for excellence. He crucified his fleshly desires to make room for excellence. You can't be carnal and excellent because your flesh will never be excellent. Mm. When people talked about Daniel, when the king observed Daniel, when his enemies investigated him, the report was always the same. He had an excellent spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. Greater faith, I've come to declare to you that a spirit of excellence will be a part of who we are. It will be a characteristic of this church body. We will not settle for mediocrity. Thank you. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back and on the right and on the left and in the front. We will not settle for mediocrity at greater faith. We will not settle. Good enough is not good enough. Excellence is the bar at which we are going to operate at greater faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Knowing that the name of Jesus is upon your life ought to inspire you to raise your bar of living. I don't want people to look at me and say, he's barely making it. I want them to look at me and say, look at God's favor on his life. Now, we got this cliche saying now, living your best life. Anybody ever use that, heard that, right? We often use that term jokingly to describe somebody in a very enjoyable moment. A kid with an ice cream cone sitting by the pool on a hot day. They're living their best life, right? And I get that. But what are we really saying? They're an enjoyable, indulgent moment of pleasure. And that is not my best life. Pleasure is not living my best life. You all with me? All right, Because I'm trying to break through something here. And it's the gateway through which excellence is. Excellence is just past pleasure. And most people are striving for pleasure and comfort. But excellence is not on this side of those mile markers. See, the world teaches us strive to have a comfortable or pleasurable life. But excellence is on the other side of pleasure, and it's on the other side of comfort. And I got news for you. I'm not striving for pleasure, and I'm not striving for comfort. I'm striving for excellence. Praise God. Excellence is living my best life. Our goal should not be pleasure or comfort. should be striving for excellence. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. Most of you have probably read these scriptures before. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men's pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God 
and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. I looked that up, heartily. It means with your soul. Do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. A couple hidden keys to excellence are hidden in these verses. One, excellence is about doing. I hate to disappoint you moms and dads out there, but your kids were not born perfect, and neither were mine. They're not excellent just because they're mine. Excellence is something you cultivate in doing. Two, servants obey in all things your masters. So excellence is about doing. And what do we do? We do what is asked of us by those in authority in our lives. Nobody likes to hear those words. Just let me know as soon as I get out of the book, okay? When your boss asks you to do something at work, don't do the minimum. Do it with focus. I know you guys like the revival preaching much better, but we need some of this too. Do it with focus, with mastery, with skillfulness, and with preparation. Ah, somebody say preparation. Mm. Ready? Here we go. When you are serving the church, don't bring your sloppy seconds to the house of God. Serve with excellence. Take time to prepare. Take time to grow your skill. Take time to plan. Take time to communicate. Take time to coordinate. Serve the church with excellence. Don't walk in five minutes before your duty and try to figure out everything and slap it all together. That's not excellence. That's barely mediocrity. That's just showing up. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, and this, here's another, number three here. Whatever ye do, that's quoting the verse. So, <clears throat> excellence is about doing. It's about obeying those in authority, right? And here we get some latitude. Whatever ye do. Understand the distinction. Some things we are asked to do, and if it is somebody in authority in your life, secular or spiritual, you should do what you are asked, right? So whatever you do, some things we are asked to do and some things we choose to do. A hidden key to excellence is purposefully choosing what you do. In that space of latitude where you are not being asked and you get to choose, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Don't just revert to the pleasures of the flesh. But man, hey, I got these evenings. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to develop a kingdom skill. I'm going to choose that. 
I'm going to take on some extra study time in the Word so I can learn some more about the Bible. What are you doing? You're making a choice. Ah, Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're making a choice to say, I want to grow and become more excellent. Amen? Amen. A hidden key. Uh, you can choose to stay up late indulging in the pleasure of secular entertainment, or you can choose to rise up early and spend quality time with Jesus. That's a choice. You can choose to worry and blame the devil every time your day presents a challenge, or you can choose to thank God for the growth opportunity and expand your altar. That's a choice. Mercy. You can choose to give your virtue to the cares of life, or you can choose to pour your virtue into kingdom service. Mm. You can choose to sow to the flesh, or you can choose to sow to the spirit. You can choose to roll out of bed, Leave the house with wrinkled clothes and halitosis. Or you can choose to take personal care of yourself, brush your teeth, wear wrinkle-free, clean clothes, and be presentable. Now, that may sound comical to you, but it's absolutely the truth about the mindset that we take on. You can choose to just... Do, you can choose to do your best or just to get by. Is this okay? Is everybody offended? Have I successfully offended everybody? All right. Amen. You can choose to make church a tourist attraction in your life that you visit a couple times a month. Or you can choose to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You can choose to be excellent in your faithfulness to the house of God. That's a choice. You can choose to give with excellence. You can calculate your 10%. You can give it first as the first fruits and not the last. Or if I can't afford it. You can be led you can be spirit-led in your offerings. You can make pledges and faith comm commitments to build the kingdom. You can be prepared to give when you arrive. I'll never forget. It was several years ago. Offering time would come at church. This was probably a decade ago. And I remember, I'd be like, oh, I wonder what's in my wallet. And, and, and Bishop Stark just said something from the pulpit just kind of casually as he was preparing to receive the offering. He said, you ought to come to church prepared to give. And I was like, whoa. Why don't I think about that? Why? That's an excellent spirit. What do I do? Sunday morning, God, what do you want me to bring for an offering today to your house? God, have I, have, have I taken the time to prepare my first fruits and bring it in worship to you? today. That's giving with excellence. 
Ah. Be an excellent giver. Be an excellent worshiper. Come in prepared with a fresh mind and fresh energy to lift your hands. To lift up, not just any hands, but to lift up holy hands. Hands that have been separate. Hands that have been pursuing excellence all week long. And say, God, I'm lifting up holy hands. These hands have been diligent. These hands have been in your word. These hands have been to the altar. I'm lifting up set-apart hands, God, with energy, with focus today. I'm not tired and confused. I'm bringing an excellent worship. Be an excellent departmental leader. I give honor to Sister Hammond today. Sister Hammond is our, our, our hospitality coordinator. Let me tell you something. When we have an invited guest that comes, she sends them an email. She, she communicates all of the information that they need to have. She prepares them a gift basket. She makes their reservation at the hotel. You know what she's doing? She's doing it with excellence. If you are responsible for something here at Greater Faith, do it with excellence. Praise God. Would you stand? I want the spirit of excellence. I desire and I know that the Lord desires for the spirit of excellence to be resident here at Greater Faith. And not just resident, but evident. Evident. When people walk in, they see, man, Brother Dwight, these rows are perfectly straight. Why? Because he's doing it with excellence. Man, listen, listen to the singers and the musicians. They're on key. Mm. They're on cue. Why? Because they're doing it with excellence. Why? Why do we do it? I'll tell you why. Because he is excellent. The psalmist wrote, praise him according to his excellent greatness because he is excellent I want to have a spirit of excellence because he is excellent I want excellence to be evident here at greater faith excellence honors God excellence pleases God and for all of you teachers pets out there that just love it when you're treated extra special. Excellence gives you preferential treatment from the king. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you would agree in prayer with me tonight that as a church family, we are going to strive for excellence that this will be our mindset in our serving in our giving in our worshiping in our leading 
in our volunteering, in our outreach, in our personal life. We're going to strive for excellence. Hallelujah. If you agree with me in that tonight, would you close your eyes and bow your heads and just pray with me and Thanks for joining with us today. Be sure to check us out online at greaterfaith.church or find us on Facebook by searching My Greater Faith. There you can watch this sermon and others as well as live stream all available services. If you like what you heard today, be sure to follow our podcast for new sermons and Bible studies as they become available. Greater Faith. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible.